This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Now, from BetQL, it's time for the Daily Tip with Michael Jenkins. Dang it, he's talented. And let's be honest, I go for ambition, not luck. And Chelsea Messenger. Don't kill the messenger, or the messenger will kill you. Hey, Dad, don't forget about me, the dunkster. Presented by BetMGM. Top of the hour here on the Daily Tip. In this segment, we'll get to read and react the biggest storylines in the NFL going into the divisional weekend. We've got a gauntlet of quarterbacks in the AFC, but what about the NFC? Are there any underdogs that we are not giving enough credit to? Then next segment at 7.20, Lucy Bird stops by to talk all things pop culture and maybe who her pick is. For the Super Bowl, I've been watching some of her videos, and my dad, Gummit, she is wearing these outfits despite snow like falling on her face. <laughs> I see the snowflakes on her eyebrows, and she mm-hmm. is still doing her hot girl walks and giving out her picks. So maybe we'll get her plays for the day as well. Then at seven forty, it's on to make your case we do it this time with the afc we give a reason for each team still remaining and their path to the super bowl jenks are you somebody who can go out in cold weather and wear flip-flops i have noticed this with some of my friends like my best friend who has lived in tennessee her whole life she's never lived by a beach or anything she wears flip-flops in the middle of winter and i'm like holly girl Aren't your little piggies cold? What are we doing here? No way. Do you know anybody like this? No, I don't. Well, here's the thing. Not a single I know, person? Well, I know plenty of people, but I don't know. The honest answer is I don't know what their habits are when it snows. Like, I don't know if they're going out in flip-flops or not. So but I would when think it's cold. no. Well, I don't think I do. I don't think I've met anyone Hmm. that goes out in the cold with flip-flops on or sandals or I certainly wouldn't do it. And I'm someone who enjoys the cold. But if you're going to go out in the cold, you want to make sure more than anything that your feet are warm, that your head is warm. So I'm damn sure not walking out. I walked out yesterday on my deck for like two seconds in my house slippers. After about five seconds, I was like, ooh, it's cold out here. Let me go right back inside. So <laughs> I would never do that. Yeah, I don't know if I know anybody that would walk out in flip-flops during the cold. That seems insane to me. She's somebody who, she loves the beach, and she thinks that we live in Florida. And she's like, oh, I've got my flip-flops on. I'm like, Holly, it's 35 degrees on. Oh, my like, God. You don't want to put some socks or anything on on your feet. <laughs> but some people are just like this. Like, I will see this walking down the street. 
here in Tennessee, people do not know how to dress for the weather. Like it will be sub freezing and people have on like a light jacket and they're like, oh my God, it's so cold. Yeah, because you don't have on a heavy coat. We are in this weird in-between of we get seasons. They're not mm-hmm. like Wisconsin seasons, but people still don't really understand the winter. So I think maybe it's a case of me living in Tennessee. I guess this is not a thing in D.C. where people like, you know, dress stupidly for the weather. Not really. No. People in D.C. are very, hmm. no, I think they're just very I, nondescript. Smarter. Is what I would say. <laughs> Smarter. Also, I feel like Nashville has more of a wild side to it than D.C., so you're more likely to get some people who sort of push the envelope a little bit. We're here in D.C. It's just kind of boring, honestly. I think maybe because it's younger people that live here. Um, Because D.C., from my experience when I visited, it was a lot of people that are wearing, like, business attire. And it's people who work in, like, the corporate sector. Nashville is not like that. It's not, like, a corporate town. So it's, like, people who are going out. They don't want to wear a big coat. And, of course, Mm -hmm. the worst offenders are the girls. And you're like, sweetie, do you need to wear (laughs) that micro mini skirt when it is 15 degrees, like maybe put some leggings on underneath. I feel like there's ways to look hot with clothes on, but I guess they haven't discovered it just yet. But this feels like something that only I am experiencing. So I will move on because it feels like nobody else can commiserate with me. Maybe you guys need to come (laughs) to Nashville and see what I'm talking about. All right, so let's do it. Let's do read and react and see if we can both commiserate on some of the narratives that are going on in the NFL. Uh, Chelsea, I will jump in and say that my cousin, who is from Maine, so take that into consideration, is famous for only wearing shorts during the wintertime. Oh, my God. And flip-flops all the time. Yeah, like people... (laughs) No, no, like, I mean, within our friend circle, friend group, it's like anytime you stop by, you're like, dude, it's 20 degrees (laughs) out. Yeah, it's not bad. And he's just running around his house in shorts, takes his dog for a walk, he's in shorts. Oh, no way. It's crazy. He's crazy. I feel like you always see one of them walking around. Like, even if it's not somebody you know, occasionally I'll see somebody, like, getting gas, and you're like, that guy has on a T-shirt. What are you doing? So I feel like they're out in the wild. Maybe you just got to look for them. There is a guy I worked with in Austin, Todd, and Todd wore shorts everywhere. (laughs) We called him Big Head Todd. (laughs) <laughs> from the old, from the old music group, Big Head yep. Todd and the Monsters. Yep. And Todd wore these khaki shorts. And look, it's Austin, but it does get cold. There'll be times when, look, mm-hmm. it's freezing outside. Todd, I never, I worked in Austin for six years, and I never saw Todd in pants. I mean, come hell or high water, by God, he was wearing those khaki shorts. Yeah. <laughs> Todd. Jim Hallball of Austin. Oh, there you go, <laughs> right there. It's Jim Hallball of Austin. All right. Let's get into these. Read and react number one. Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs head to Buffalo for their first road playoff game with Mahomes at quarterback. The Bills, the only team in the NFL to have three wins against Mahomes, but all of those have come in the regular season. Mahomes is 2-0 and against Buffalo in the playoffs, but both of those came in Kansas City. So do the Bills have Mahomes figured out? He's 1-3 and against them in the regular season. Or does the Mahomes magic continue over the Bills when it counts? 2-0 in the playoffs. That's coming up, of course, this weekend. Jinx, Bills, Chiefs, who's got the advantage? Bills. Buffalo, Bills. Here's the thing. Yes, this Mahomes magic has been a thing in the playoffs, 
but this is the Patrick Mahomes playing with much better teams. And so as much as Patrick Mahomes has certainly been the leader of those teams and the reason why, or one of the primary reasons why the Chiefs have won those games, this is the first time I feel like in a long time that a Patrick Mahomes team feels inherently vulnerable. Like even before when the Chiefs would struggle maybe midway through the season or near the end of the regular season, you'd be like, yeah, but it's the Chiefs. It's Andy Reid. It's Patrick Mahomes. They'll be fine. This year, I'm not buying it. I feel like the Chiefs are ripe for the picking. They're ripe for the beating. And I am not convinced that they're any better than we saw over the last few weeks of the season because they beat a Dolphins team that had no business playing in the cold. I think this is, and I think the motivational factor for the Bills here will be through the roof because finally, finally, they get to host Kansas City, which is what they've wanted to do for years, and now is their chance. I'm going with the Bills. <sighs> Doesn't it feel that way? Because this is not one-on-one basketball. Like, it's not Patrick Mahomes against Josh Allen. Like, it's not the way it mm-hmm. is. And we have seen that Patrick Mahomes is human because he has this core of receivers who have frying pans for hands. So, you know, that's going to be a thing. If you want to count on this Chiefs team in a close game and it depends on a receiver catching, you know, a third or a fourth down play in the end zone, that's not something I want to do. We have seen this happen before where when Patrick Mahomes is on a team with a big weakness, it kind of costs him. Granted, it was in the Super Bowl, but remember that Super Bowl against the Tampa Bay Bucks, where the offensive line was terrible for the Kansas City Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes had one of the worst games of his career. So he can't do it all by himself. If just Giselle was on the, the broadcast for this, she would say, he can't throw and catch the ball by himself. Remember that famous line she said about Tom Brady? Still true for Patrick Mahomes. So I think the better overall team is the Buffalo Bills. And I never thought I would say this, but it feels like the Bills actually have the higher ceiling than the Kansas City Chiefs. Because if Josh Allen can take care of the football, this is a team that looks like it can beat anybody in the NFL. And I'm talking about the San Francisco 49ers as well. That top end potential is totally there for the Buffalo Bills, especially the way that Josh Allen has been running the football as well. So uh, I'll go with the Bills here. I begrudgingly do that because also there is the low end potential where Josh Allen throws three picks. But still, Mm -hmm. I think I will go with the Bills. All right, number two, there are two teams left in the playoffs that have never been to a Super Bowl. The Lions over in the NFC, the Texans in the AFC. Chelsea, are you giving either of them a shot to get there this year? I do think there is a chance. I think the Texans maybe need one more year. Don't we see this a lot with young teams that they have a great regular season, but they're kind of just, you know, a year away from making the big jump to winning it all. So I kind of feel like that's the case for the Texans. But what about the Lions? Uh, It's a team that kind of, I don't know, their defense is a little untrustworthy, and I'm not sure if I trust Dan Campbell down the stretch to make those important coaching decisions. I will not say they don't have a shot, though. Like, isn't that the question? Do they have a chance? I'll give them a chance. A small chance, but a chance nonetheless. Yeah, I'll give the Lions a shot. Why not, right? They've, they're have they a team that will, I believe, win this weekend for sure. 
I think they're going to take care of business against the Bucs. I, I don't see the Texans getting past the Ravens. And even then, I, I, I think you're right. It does take teams as good of a story as the Texans are, as great as C.J. Stroud has been. The Texans are still a flawed team. And Joe Flacco maybe not throwing those two pick sixes. Maybe it's a different ballgame. Regardless, full credit to the Texans, but they're not there just yet. I don't think the Lions are either. But I keep reading, and I don't really know if I believe it, but I keep reading that, you know, there there's a chance the Niners are overvalued. Their defense isn't as good as maybe you might think it is. I don't know if I believe that, but if there is a team offensively that could maybe get into a shootout with the Niners and Pilata, I think it's maybe the Lions. So if I'm choosing between the two, I'll go with Detroit. All right, finally, let's talk about the teams that have been eliminated from the playoffs, taking the Cowboys out of the mix because they would be the runaway winner for this question. Which fan base should be most disappointed in their team's performance now that they're out of the playoffs and done? Pittsburgh, Philly, L.A., the Rams, not the Chargers. You're obviously disappointed in the Chargers. Miami, or Cleveland, Jinx, I'll start with you. Mm-hmm. Of those fan bases, who should be the most pissed off today? Philly. I mean, they're going to be pissed off no matter what, right? That's a good point. <laughs> they're going to wake up pissed off about something. Definitely the Eagles. Definitely the Eagles. And then, especially on the heels of the Phillies in the playoffs, like they thought maybe they had something there, and then the bottom kind of dropped out late. And now you're talking about not just not just losing early in the playoffs. It's all relative, right? But when you talk about going to a Super Bowl last year and then you start this season 10 and 1, like oh my, it's one thing to suffer, hey, you have, I don't know, uh, a 9 and 8 season fine. But you start off the season 10 and 1 and then you go and drop a game to the Cards, you go and drop a game to the Giants and then you get embarrassed by a Bucks team that squeezed past the Panthers the week before, 9 nothing, for a team that had such high expectations for the bottom to drop out the way it did at the end of the season, I just think it has to be Philly. It definitely has to be Philly because they were one of the favorites to win the Super Bowl. So, like, just from that, I'm not going to repeat everything you just said. I'll go a different route and just bring up another case just for the case of being interesting. How about mm-hmm. the Miami Dolphins? An offense that looked like it was off the charts. For most of the season, a team that scored 70 points and think if you're a Dolphins fan and you have not enjoyed a playoff win since the year 2000, do you think they were getting excited and thinking, oh, well, maybe the tides are turning. Maybe we will enjoy some playoff success only to go to Kansas City, go to freezing weather and have a no show for your offense. So I think the Dolphins fans probably disappointed as well maybe not on the same level as the eagles but i do think it should be pointed out Mm, maybe here's the thing with the dolphins though the dolphins if you were a hardcore follower of your team or even even if you're not a hardcore follower didn't you kind of know that we've beaten a bunch of bad teams or a bunch of mediocre teams when you look at the at the the top to bottom schedule that they played this season didn't you know like hey we don't exactly have the best resume going in like we're kind of not lucky to be here but maybe we should temper our expectations based on the on the good teams that we beat this season and that was one 
Think think of this though as well. Buffalo beating Kansas City on that controversial call. KC wins that. Miami gets a home game. Oh yeah, that's true. I didn't think about that. That's so a good that point. one play changed the dynamic of a lot of franchises oh, this year sure in the did. playoffs. Yeah, Dolphins. too bad it wasn't in the NFL script this year. Or maybe <laughs> those Dolphins fans <laughs> would be celebrating a playoff win instead of a playoff loss and some frostbite. All right, coming back from the break, Lucy Bird stops by. We'll see what's on her plate this week. Uh, that's next on The Daily Tip, presented by BetMGM. Chelsea and Jenks will be right back on The Daily Tip, presented by BetMGM. On the BetQL Network. by Bet MGM with Michael Jenkins and Chelsea Messenger on the BetQL Network. Off and rolling on this Wednesday edition of the Daily Tip, a Women of Wagertainment edition of our show today. Lucy Burge is going to stop by in just a few moments. Jenks, we've had some snow days here. And I don't know yes. if you guys had snow days in Texas when you mm-hmm. were growing up. But I feel like kids these days have it so good. When they sit at home, they have a thousand activities to do and not just play in the snow. Because we were just talking about this. When you would have a sick day or a snow day, we had a total of three channels at my household. And I'm not even like that (laughs) old. We just didn't have cable. So it would be Price is Right. That's a great one to watch for anybody, no matter your age. But then it would digress into, okay, do I want to watch soap operas? Do I want to watch the news? Or do I want to watch one of those talk shows? And I remember my mom would put it on The Bold and the Beautiful. And I'm like, oh, my God. Yeah. This is so bad. This guy named Rich has been on the show for like 30 years. I'm only eight, but he has been on every single year that I have been alive. <laughs> and I feel like he's probably on there now. I don't know if this still exists, but were you ever forced to watch one of these shows that you didn't want to watch just because it was the only thing on. Oh yeah. What was the general hospital? Luke and Laura. (laughs) That was the one in the eighties. Oh my God. There was a Christopher cross song about it, which became super popular called think of Laura. I believe. (laughs) I mean, I, I swear to God. And they had this huge wedding. I know this not because I'm a soap opera fan, but you couldn't avoid it. Like Luke and Laura's wedding on General Hospital was this massive, massive event. And the only reason I know about it is like you were saying, there were so few channels on or that you were you could watch. And then if it's the afternoon, my mom wants to watch something or I'm at home, there's nothing else on. And so I just knew about it by osmosis. Right. There were so many shows I watched growing up just because there was nothing else on. The other one that I had to watch was Frasier. I was like eight. Like the the sense of humor on <laughs> Frasier was not something suited for me. But there was yeah. nothing else on. I was like, all right, we'll watch this because I don't want to watch the news. That sounds terrible. So I think it was. You like wanted Fox to watch Alf. Like... <laughs> something that Alf was, was not Frasier. I don't know. So I was thinking of something like, what's the opposite of what Frasier would be? How about Alf? I don't know. That's all I came up with. Or like, because there was a big divide, because we did have 
uh, PBS, which is like the NPR for TV. Oh, Did you yeah. have PBS? Mm-hmm. Oh, um, yeah. Public broadcasting. Then they had the like little kid shows. And you're like, I'm too old for Arthur. I'm too old for Sesame Street. I don't need that. I'm going to watch Frasier. And then you turn on, you're not getting any of the jokes. You're like, well, that sucks. Uh, so then I would try Seinfeld, which was still a little bit above, you know, what I liked. And then you sure. get older and you rewatch, you're like, wow, this is actually a good show. So there was a lot of shows like that. And I am very interested <laughs> to see what Lucy's Snow Day shows uh, could be. So let's bring her in now. Beck UL writer and host of Back to the Future is each and every Sunday night. She is Lucy Burge. Always Boston strong, it's Lucy Burge. How do you like them actors? All right, Lucy. Last time I think you were on the show, you told us about all the sitcoms that you fell asleep to. So I feel like you (laughs) probably have some of these that you watched as a child that now you enjoy more. But I've got to ask the question of the hour. What was on the docket on your TV when it came to snow days? Yes, good morning. Uh, snow days were always so fun. The It's funny you mentioned Arthur because that was a big one. I was obsessed with Arthur. We would watch Arthur all the time growing up. PBS and Nickelodeon all the time. I had a full lineup of shows and I look back and I thought, how did I possibly watch that much television? But I guess I did because Nickelodeon, it was Doug. It was Hey Arnold. It was all like, at this line, Keenan and Kel, all that. Like, and I watched all these shows. I could sing the Drake and Josh theme song. I was at home uh, like a while. It was, this was maybe a year ago now. <laughs> and Drake and Josh, we, I was just flipping through the channels for fun. It came on and I sang the entire theme song and my dad was there and he was like, I've never heard that in my life. And I was like, we've watched that a million times that show there's just so many mm-hmm. shows but arthur arthur was the big one and i still to this day the library card song from arthur i have it stuck in my head all the time it is such a bop having fun isn't hard when you've got a library card to me to kids at that time that was like tiesto now that was the hit song that you <laughs> get stuck in your oh my god that's all played at the clubs was- Yes, that would have been at the clubs at, for kids at that time. That song absolutely slapped. But I still, I remember <laughs> Sabrina the Teenage Witch. That was a big one as well. Um, that was my, I remember epi- at that point, episodes that you would see that you would really hope would come on again. And I would look at the TV guide and I would say, which Sabrina the Teenage Witch episode is going to be next? The one where she kisses Harvey for the first time. That was a big one. Hope that comes on in like a couple weeks again. The one where she does this or that. <laughs> So I would look at the TV guide and think about which uh, episodes were going to be next and should have probably looked ahead if like, oh, I'll be sick this day so that I can watch this episode because I'm doing the day because <laughs> the TV guide, TV guide was all the rage back then. Oh, you know what's awesome about TV guide? The crosswords in the back because they yep. were so easy. And I thought, yeah. oh, I'm so smart. I know all of these. 
What is a three-letter word for a furry character on NBC? A-L-F. Alf. Got it. So I always thought I was so much smarter. You want an an easy crossword? People Magazine crossword. Easiest crossword you'll find. I used to do those at the guys being smart. (laughs) So of all those shows, when you think about whether it was on Nickelodeon, whether it was just in the afternoon, I know you watch a lot of old school TV as well, whether it was Leave it to Beaver, whatever it may be. So when you think about all of those shows, the one show from your childhood, what is the one do you think holds up now where you thought, you know what, I'll still watch it now? Yeah, and I would say I would say Seinfeld because that I didn't. Okay. So I, my parents loved or my mom loved Seinfeld, but she wouldn't. We wouldn't watch it when we were growing up because we wouldn't get the jokes. It's like Frasier, and I've watched a good bit of Frasier as well. But I think Seinfeld because there are so many uh, day to day instances and in just normal life uh, that you can relate to on that show. Mm-hmm. And I realize as I get older how much I understand relate to it more than when. And and I guess my mom was right because I didn't. Uh, I would never have understood any of that as a kid but now you see different instances and you're like yeah yeah of course you you know you find yourself um owning a chicken named little jerry seinfeld and there's a light across the hallway like yeah of course that that is the chicken store like everyday life stuff no but there are things in seinfeld that you can interactions that you're like oh i know how jerry feels at this moment like you got to get out of this this social interaction here but that's where like there was a a time i was the uh stayed in, in new york one night and i was staying at the marriott in times square and the light from Times Square were coming in the hotel window and I felt like I feel like Kramer with the chicken light the store light across the way like it's things of like oh I can see this inside felt and I feel like there are moments that in that and I guess the office too because I was growing up at that time when that was on where there's a moment for everything that happens in life there's a moment in the show that you can relate to it or there's a gif now that you can use for that because I feel like Seinfeld and the office are the two that I think about with those yeah for me I think it was everybody love Ra- uh everybody yeah. loves Raymond I always yeah. thought it was funny but it's way more relatable to me now than it ever was like I am starting to really laugh at some of the jokes when it comes to like the mother-in-law and the family and the husband and wife dynamics now that I've been married almost 10 years now which is crazy and that makes me sound really old uh but Lucy I want to ask you about this too because I have been freezing my tail off here in Nashville and we have had really cold weather, but I've got to salute to you because no matter how cold it is, where you are in the Northeast, you are doing the hot girl walks and these amazing outfits. <laughs> Yesterday, I feel like I saw snowflakes on your eyebrows and exactly. the mom of me was like, I got to send her a hat. She has to be freezing. Do you not get cold? A little chilly. It's a little chilly, <laughs> but I will say the coat helps a lot. But yeah, it's a, it's a little chilly. I wouldn't be out for more than more than an hour because I'm going to run errands. So I just walk around. The, the footwear is important. Um, but yeah, it's I mean it's a little chilly, but you you know for for the for the people you got to give them what they want. And I feel like I don't want to wear like a huge sweatshirt around because when you get too hot. So you get a balance. You right. get a big coat and like a smaller top, and then your, your leggings or the leggings are are fine or or whatever. And I feel like uh, the snowflakes on the eyebrows really that's that's the the line you draw. We're like, okay, it really is snowing now. So that's where it's like, <laughs> all right, let's let's get inside. <laughs> You're yeah, like a hat. lineman that won't wear the sleeves. Yeah, like you Tyree are the Kill. equivalent of Tyree Kill not wearing any damn sleeves. That was to, sending like, a message by though. the cheeks. 
Right. Well, I feel like Mm. he's sending a message and maybe I will too. He's sending a message like, no, the haters can't stop me. If it's snowing, no, I'm still going to give my my bets in the snow, but I can still go for a walk. You got (laughs) to You got to run errands. But yeah, I feel like Tyreek Hill was absolutely sending a message and, you know, negative five degrees. Yeah. You still you still wear the outfit you plan to wear that you had laid out the night before. I'm still wearing this outfit. I didn't bring (laughs) sleeves with him. I'm not wearing sleeves. (laughs) Lucy. You don't wear sleeves. Bill Belichick doesn't wear sleeves. Where is he going to coach next? And what would be the best fit for him? Very interesting. Odds movement at some books for odds for his next landing spot shifted Mm -hmm. uh, to the the Falcons were the favorite. Now, any other team that is not listed as needs a head coach now with a vacancy any other team a plus 600 yesterday is the favorite now i thought i think i saw it at plus 125 which is where i believe so if you got it at plus 600 congrats to you because i think it will be any other team not listed that does not have a head coaching vacancy yet i think it will be the cowboys mike mccarthy has not been fired yet but i think uh in the end belichick will be the next head coach of the cowboys i think it makes sense and i've been saying this i remember jinks uh, uh brian brodus from the dallas station was on with us when uh, I Uh filled in one day and he said this was months and months ago Cowboys he said Belichick I would not rule out Belichick going to the Cowboys and I think it might end up being the Cowboys that's where I would would put my money because that's where the scuttlebutt is leaning but also I feel like it makes sense it's already a relevant franchise for him he could win there I think he is going to whether it's the question of will he go to a team that is going to pay him a lot of money and not necessarily win could be the Falcons perhaps or a team where he is more likely to win a Super Bowl or keep winning to break Shula's record and maybe not get paid as much I think he would take the winning I think winning to him matters above everything because he's got money he's got his boat he's got his Nantucket lifestyle already so I think winning is very important to him as his career ends uh, goes to its sunset but i think uh winning will be the priority for him and i feel like the cowboys will be his landing spot oh it makes way too much sense jerry jones wants a big name i bet he was calling him at halftime during that dallas disaster in the (laughs) postseason you know he was he's like we gotta get belichick in here i don't care how much money it takes that is so cowboys it hurts like i guarantee you they're gonna be at least trying to talk to bill belichick Okay, so let's talk about the teams remaining left in the playoffs. So who do you like? Who have you adopted as your team moving forward in the postseason? Because we know the Patriots, they're not in the discussion. So who do you like? I thought they were um, the. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, the Lions, the Detroit Lions. Though I mean, how I gotta they are they have been my other league team, like the Mets are for the Red Sox for a while, and Eminem being the spokesperson for the Lions now, he is the Taylor Swift of the Detroit Lions, which is very nice to see, and I think he's done done a very 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 good job with his uh, ads and his game lead-ins that I almost started crying seeing him before the game the other night because. It's not Carrie Underwood, but it's Eminem replacing him as the uh, the lead into that game, which was really I just I warmed my heart to see, and I just love listening to him talk and hearing "Lose Yourself" in the background. Uh, we need more "Lose Yourself" beds for uh, pregame things and, and TV spots. <laughs> um, but I I really uh, have to get behind the Lions here, and I want them. I don't want to say they're going to win the Super Bowl because I don't want to jinx them, but I I think that they are a team that can 
go uh, to the Super Bowl. But I did predict them to beat the Rams, but the Rams to cover. So I think going forward, I would have a hard time taking them to cover the spread because I don't want to be wrong uh, and then jinx them once again. But I think I will just stay away from betting on them going forward and enjoy those games. And then uh, maybe I bet on the Ravens this week. Ravens minus nine and a half. I would just love mm. to see you tell that to Eminem's face, that he is the Taylor Swift to. of the Detroit Lions. And I know you would relish that. <laughs> and then hug him. But I feel like that is not something <laughs> that he would enjoy being called. That's all no. the time we have for now, Lucy. Great stuff as always. She is Lucy Burge of VacuL. Follow her on Twitter at Lucille Burge. We got to get to break up next. Making a case for every team in the AFC. Stay with us. Chelsea and Jenks will be right back on the Daily Tip presented by Bet MGM on the BetQL Network. Let's get back to the Daily Tip with Chelsea Messenger and Michael Jenkins presented by Bet MGM on the BetQL Network. And we are back. Thanks for stopping by on this Wednesday, January the 17th. We are cruising through the month of January. Before you know it, it will be February. It will be time for the Super Bowl. And we will try to predict who will make it from the AFC when we make our case from each of the four teams remaining in the divisional round. Uh, But before we get to that, Jenks, last night I was debating Mm -hmm. on... If I should watch the NC State basketball game, because here's the thing about my NC State fandom. It is not like your Texas fandom where it feels like you are super optimistic. You are excited to watch them play. NC State has the penchant for letting me down. And I just didn't want my mood ruined. And I was just like, I just can't handle it. Emotionally, I'm not ready for this right now. So I didn't watch it. But then I see what unfolded in the game last night. And boy, did I miss a doozy? Because this morning I saw that NC State was trending. I was like, huh, wonder what this is about. Yeah. There is a screenshot of one of our players flipping the ref, the double bird. And I was like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> this is not what you want to be trending Not for. great. No, uh, but I will say last night's game, I guess, was interesting. We had the head okay. coach ejected in the first half. We had a fight in the final minute. Three guys ejected there. And, of course, everybody is seeing this, you know, picture of this guy flipping off sure. the ref so like this is not what we want to be known for but this is just more proof of the roller coaster ride that is nc state <clears throat> athletics jinx are you a fan of any team that's like this because i get it texas mm. has not always been good and there was a stretch where they weren't no. you know sitting atop the college football playoff and you know making this run but I don't know how to describe it because I don't even understand the unbridled optimism that people have for their teams because NC State just does this to me. Like they get my hopes up and then they let me down. Aren't most teams probably like this? Do you think this is the rarity or the norm? Oh, the rarity or the norm. I think it's probably, I think it's probably the norm. I think it, well, I, I also thinking. think, it, I, and I think it goes in phases too, right? Not for mm-hmm. everyone because there are teams out there, college bros, and they are perennial losers. 
Like the Lions are the exception to the rule this year when you take into account mm-hmm. the history of Detroit football, right? Every year, a loser. Every year, a loser. Every year, a loser. And finally, they're like, oh, my God, we're actually good. We're actually winning. I I don't believe it. But then you'll have a team or maybe a city like Boston who has this incredible run of success with all of their teams. But the reason why that stands out is because that isn't normal. So, yeah, it does happen in spurts with certain teams. But I would think on the whole, outside of, oh, conference championship here or a playoff appearance there, for the majority of fans, I think they live in in a lot of misery. That's what I try to tell myself yeah. when I'm like in my little pity party. I'm like, oh, it's the worst being an NC State fan. <laughs> right. But I feel like there are probably more fan bases that can relate to a night like that as opposed to the mm-hmm. ones that are winning. Because think about most teams and most franchises. Like most of them are not dynasties. So maybe there yeah. are a lot of people that live in the same world as me, which is even wilder to think about. Because think about how many sports fans there are. And think about how many people put themselves through this roller coaster of emotions by choice. Like we do this by choice. It's crazy to me what we do for sports. But the thing is, if you stick by your team and there is a moment where they don't break your heart, boy, does that feel good because the waiting and, you know, the heartache that got, Mm -hmm. you know, that you had to endure to get there, it just makes it all worth it. Like, did you feel that way with Texas? The years of wandering in the desert and people joking that Mm -hmm. Texas is back. Did it feel even better this year when it felt like Texas was officially back? Yes. And it makes it worse that that was sort of a common joke across college football, which I get it. Right. So that's that's part of being a school with a great history that also has had so many struggles for what, 13, 14 years. But I will also say that, yes, it makes it so much sweeter when you finally break through. I will also say that one thing I learned and I switched my opinion on is I used to say the same thing that you just said, and I agree with it, which is it makes it so much sweeter when you finally break through. But Mm -hmm. I waited, you know, 13, 14 years for a conference championship. And for Texas, that sounds ridiculous. And I think, well, I didn't think, God, when is this ever going to happen? Imagine the teams that have struggled for 20 years. Imagine the schools that have tr- that have struggled for 25 years. And then I think, God, at some point, do you say, I guess I'll just keep holding on. Or you say, at some point, I got to have a winner. I got to cheer for a team that brings me some sort of joy. And after a long stint of struggling, 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 I do understand when some fans say, I can't do this anymore. I've been doing this for two decades, and it's killing me. I got to have some sort of victory. So I understand both sides, but yes, to your point, it absolutely makes it more rewarding when your team finally breaks through. Exactly. So I'm thinking that maybe the Buffalo Bills fans can commiserate because I have looked this up multiple times. The Bills have never won a Super Bowl. Am I reading this correctly? I know they've played in a bunch of Super Bowls, but have they really not won a single Super no. Bowl? No, they lost That's four crazy. straight in the 90s. Crazy. They lost four oh. straight. And one was on a field goal that went wide right. So imagine that franchise in particular. And you go four straight years and you're like, we got to win one of these. One of these. 
and they had some incredible teams. Those teams were great. Those Buffalo teams were unbelievable. They were mega talented, had the talent to win it each and every single year. Ran to the Cowboys at least once, maybe a couple times. Was it twice? Cowboys were were juggernauts back then. Like it, Giants, Cowboys, twice, and Washington. Okay. So the Giants was the game. That was the game they they probably could have won, but they also ran into some incredible teams because the Cowboys were a dynasty during that time. Mm-hmm. So there's no shame in that. But it, it sucks if you're a Bills fan because they were so good. Right. So I'm wondering, is this finally the year for the Buffalo Bills? So what we're going to do is we're going to go down the line for the four remaining teams in the AFC and make the case and kind of line up what has to happen for each team to win. And I will say, compared to the NFC, in the AFC, it feels like you can make a case for each of these teams. Maybe it's a little bit more of a stretch to say that Houston can win it, but let's start with Kansas City, uh, the defending Super Bowl champs. And we know this season has not been as perfect as maybe Kansas City has hoped, but Jenks, what's the case for Kansas City winning the Super Bowl? Do you think there is still a good team in there somewhere? Yeah, I think the case is twofold, which is going to sound really cliche, but it's the truth. It's Andy Reid. It's Patrick Mahomes. There's no question that Patrick Mahomes, when he is on his game, is as good as anyone on the planet. No question about it. You're talking about guys who have been there before. You're talking about one of the best head coaches, a Hall of Fame head coach. So if there's any, I would say, any combination of head coach and quarterback that could rise above and come up with a game plan and come up with some sort of incredible performance at quarterback to lead your team to victory. It's the Chiefs. And by the way, one thing we should mention, the Chiefs have a great defense. They're, mm-hmm. They have a top five defense. We just don't think about the Chiefs and defense in the same sentence, but I would say that's the case for Kansas City. Right. There are still great parts on that team. And mm-hmm. you look at some of their bad losses this year or ones that came down to the final minutes. It's simply because receivers could not catch passes. So these are NFL caliber receivers. I know sometimes it doesn't feel like it, but maybe they make some of those catches. Like that seems like a pretty easy fix. And if you fix Travis Kelsey, last game felt like one of his better games in quite some time, at least from a stats perspective, because Travis Kelsey was tied in number one across the league for quite some time. And then this year, He's been putting up dud after dud after dud, and it just feels like maybe it's because there are fewer guys to key in on so they can really uh, limit the defensive attention to Travis Kelsey. But he had a good game last week, so if Travis Kelsey is back to the level that he's been playing on, especially in the postseason, he used to be unguardable in the playoffs. He was an anytime touchdown machine. So if you get him going, the defense plays like it has all season long, and Andy Reid cooks up something, Patrick Mahomes has a little magic, I don't think it would be crazy if the Chiefs were in the Super Bowl yet again. And I think that's what everybody kind of expects if you believe in the NFL script. Uh, Let's go on to the Buffalo Bills. We were just kind of talking about how close they've been. Josh Allen, at his best, looks like a quarterback that is unguardable. But then you have the low end where Josh Allen gives the ball away. He throws the picks. He fumbles it. So it feels like a very volatile team. So, Jenks, Mm -hmm. make the case for the Bills and the high-end potential. The high-end potential is let's not forget that this is a team that was favored to win the Super Bowl at the start of the season. 
we kind of tossed the bills to the trash heap midseason and said, well, well, it's just not going to happen. But if we're talking about the preseason prognostications, Buffalo was up there with the best teams in the NFL. And you said it. If Josh Allen holds on to the football and they are able to play offensively without giving it away, they can play with anyone. So the case for the Bills, I, I don't think you have to you don't have to make a strong case to make a case. Now, they're banged up on defense, but outside of that, this is still the Bills team that many people thought would be in this position. It's just that they've had to make a run. They just didn't get here the way we thought they would get here. Right. Uh, so we have two teams left. I don't think that we need to, quote-unquote, make a case for the Ravens because they're the favorites. Uh, but mm-hmm. what about the Texans? What has to go right for Houston, the longest shot of all the teams in the AFC. They are plus 1,300 to win the AFC. How do the Texans do this? Is there a path for Houston to win the AFC? They have to have everything go right. They have to hold on to the football. C.J. Stroud mm-hmm. needs to be even better than he's been. And that secondary of the Texans, which is one of their weak spots, has to tighten up. It can happen. It's an outlier. But everything has to fall into place for that to happen. I think that's the toughest part of making a case for Houston. Because look at the quarterbacks remaining in the AFC right now. Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen. And you're looking at a team that has a weakness on the secondary. Does not feel like a great matchup. So no matter how great of a story C.J. Stroud has been, it feels like it will fall on the defense to really step up in the postseason. Top of the hour next year on the Daily Tip. Time to dive in to some hopes. Our favorite plays in the association come your way next on the Daily Tip. For more, listen to the Daily Tip presented by BetMGM. Weekday mornings from 6 to 9 Eastern on the BetQL Network, the Odyssey app, or wherever you get your podcasts.